Welcome to the Law of Startups podcast. I'm Mike Schneider. And I am Joe Wallen. Thank you for being with us today. Uh, today, we are lucky to have on our show, uh, Marianne Hudson. Uh, Marianne is the executive director uh, of the Angel Capital Association. Marianne, welcome to the show. Thanks. Good to be here, Joe. Yeah, thank you so much for being with us. So tell us, for those of us in the audience, or for those in the audience who don't know the Angel Capital Association and what it's all about, tell us tell us what, what, what you're doing there at the Angel Capital Association. Sure. So the Angel Capital Association is the professional association of angel investors across North America, so the U.S., Canada, and Mexico. And we're really focused on helping angels um, be better at what they do so that they make better investments and support to entrepreneurs. So we focus on you know education and bed best practices, um, you know, building trusted relationships so they can do deals together and representing angels in Washington, D.C. Okay, that's great. So it's a it's a it's a membership organization and the members of the various angel groups in various cities. Well, you know, our members are are 13,000 angels um, in almost every American state and five Canadian provinces. And, you know, they invest um, through, you know, either on their own or through angel groups or through family offices or through like online platforms for accredited investors. You know, the most famous one like that would be AngelList. Yeah. Okay. Great. Okay. So I was I was I was thinking that the Angel Capital Association had as its members the angel groups in various cities, but you're saying angels directly are the members of the of the of the yeah they are. And you know I'll, we started off as an association of angel groups, but as angel investing has changed, so have we. So our members are really angels, however they invest. Yeah. And so you've had some great. I mean, I think as an organization, you've had some great success, um, sort of helping improve the overall um, sort of legal regulatory landscape for for angel investing. Why don't you tell us about that? Sure. So, you know, in the in the last, I guess, five or six years, there have been, um, you know, some some moves to decrease the number of people who could be angel investors because they need to be accredited investors, which means they fit the SEC definition of financial thresholds by wealth or income. And, you know, that started in 2010 with the Dodd-Frank Act that people know of as, I guess, the too big to fail, but it was it also related to angel investors. And, uh, you know, ever since then, we've just been fighting, for the most part, for, um, you know, the pool of capital for startups from angels to stay the same and make sure, you know, people who want to be angels can continue to do that. There's, you know, very little fraud in our industry, and we want to make sure that uh, once an angel, always an angel. Yeah, so the latest uh, one of the bills that's kicking around Congress right now, um, I think it's called the Financial Choice Act, and that's the bill that's going to repeal the Dodd Frank bill, at least in part. Mm-hmm. And so, what's the current status on that on that bill right now? How would it affect angels? So, um, you know, my understanding is, you know, that will probably be, you know, one of the first things that Congress looks at next year. And um, really what it has as it relates to accredited investors is um, keeping the financial thresholds the same. Um, So that's basically um, a net worth of a million dollars, not counting your house um, or um, annual income of two hundred thousand dollars. And it would keep it the same, but going forward, it would um, increase those by um, by the, um, what do you want to call it, the inflation index. But it would also allow new kinds of angels to be able to qualify as accredited investors, you know, either because 
um, that's what you do for a living or, you know, you've been an entrepreneur or something like that and can show financial sophistication. It's not a it's not a perfect set of, of rules, but it, it would uh, make sure that more people could be angel investors. And I should say that um, actually the House of Representatives yesterday passed um, a bill, H.R. 6427, um, and it has um, six different bills that the House passed earlier in the year, and it puts them all together. And it actually includes um, the same accredited investor definition that the financial choice one would. And, and indexes it to inflation? Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's what I guess it was the Dodd-Frank Act itself, though, which said you can't include your home. So even though we're talking about repealing Dodd-Frank, you haven't heard any whispers or indications they're going to take, take, they take that change away, have you? I have not heard that, but I, I like that idea. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess when I hear uh, let's repeal Dodd Frank, I think, oh, well, let's repeal all the bad things for the startup ecosystem that we're in there. <laughs> and I and I personally thought that was one of the bad things. I mean, I I don't. I mean, there are people who have you know who've invested in their homes, and their homes are worth millions of dollars, and they can't take those into account because of Dodd Frank. I. Do you, I mean, Marianne, in your experience in Washington, D.C., have you, I mean, this idea, I mean, where did this idea come from that we should try to crimp the number of people who can qualify? Where did this, where does this come from? What's the, like, the philosophical basis for this? So it's, you know, it's kind of hard to understand, but um, there, you know, there are a lot of people in the kind of the consumer protection mode um, who are really concerned about fraud against investors. And so um, it, it, they want to put in controls to reduce the number of people who are accredited investors. The, the, the example they use the most, it's not really about angels. It's really about other kinds of accredited investors that we all fit into the same bucket of like, you know, more than a trillion dollars worth of investment, right? Angels are, let's say, 20 to 25 billion of that. So which I always think is a big number, but it's a it's a small piece of a trillion dollar market. And what they use the most often is, um, you know, the elderly who are targeted for fraud or something. So they're trying to reduce, um, you know, the number of people who are defrauded um, in other ways besides angel investing. But unfortunately, it currently would affect angel investors as well. Does that make sense? Not really. Yeah, that but makes the, sense. But the ex explanation makes sense. <laughs> So yeah, you know, I think I mean, that I, I think that the um, you know the the um, the Securities and Exchange Commission for the last you know decade or whatever has you know has focused more on um, investor protection than capital formation. And in you know my opinion, you need to have a nice balance of that. And you know perhaps as we have a new administration, new new Congress, all that kind of stuff, there will be a, a better balance of that and a better understanding that. You know, we need to have um, capital availability for the startups who create the jobs in our country. And um, that, you know, in, in a lot of parts of um, accredited investors, especially angel investing, there's very, very little fraud. Right. Yeah, I, I can't really understand the motivation to index things to inflation. I, I just don't really get it. I mean, over time, I, mean, I know that we've had like relatively like – low inflation now for a number of years. But historically, you know, inflation has been a really, um, you know, powerful force. And I, I just think over time, we'll, we'll end up like, if we if we if that makes it into the law, we'll just end up over time, being surprised at how many people will start to not qualify as angel investors because of that rule. 
Yeah, I, I, you know, the the ideal would be to not change it at all. I think that's just been a compromise that that happens in in Washington. The the um, outline of it though is that um, if um, if they pass that law next year, they would build in a grandfather clause. So if you've been an angel before, you could continue. And then remember, there are other ways to qualify as an accredited investor by showing financial sophistication via a test right, or the, some kind of certification. The, right. That's the, and that's in the new law as part of the, the FINRA administered test or something like this. Yes, yes. <laughs> and do we think it's going to be FINRA or does it say – I think the statute might say or another – I don't. I've forgotten if it's if the statute refers to another self-regulatory oh. organization or not. Unfortunately, it does say Finra. So um, it's that's, just uh, FINRA, huh? that's something we'd like to change if we have the opportunity next next year. Yeah, and so your and your reason, like, give, tell me the thinking behind why you don't think Finra is the right agency or entity to do that testing. Well, I think that, you know, FINRA works with, uh, doesn't work with many angels. You know, they work with broker dealers and, and, and folks like that. And, you know, that's not a part of, um, you know, startup funding. And so I think they have, you know, you know, less of an understanding about how angels work. And it, you know, there's just a concern that it might be, um, uh, more complicated for angels. And therefore maybe angels wouldn't, um, you know, look for that certification as much. And we also want to make sure that there are, you know, re- reasonable costs and reasonable turnaround and not not sure that uh, FINRA is is the right place for that. Maybe right. it will surprise us, though. Yeah. Well, OK. So um, what else is on the sort of public policy agenda for the Angel Capital Association now that the, we have this new political, apparently a somewhat new political climate in the, yeah, I think so. The, you know, it's kind of a that's a million dollar question on what's going to happen. Um, you know, I, I think that um, you know our our focus right now is uh, making sure that we have you know regulations that support entrepreneurs and and angel investors. And you know, it may be that you know we'll find um, new regulators who are you know more sympathetic to um, capital formation, and you know, so focus on you know the accredited investor definition. Definition, making sure that entrepreneurs don't have to file a lot of um, uh, securities filings when they're um, using general solicitation, um, getting clarity on um, demo days, and and that that's different than general solicitation. Um, we uh, actually wrote a letter to the Trump Trump transition team, and uh, you know we talked about some of issues like that. Um, you know, the importance of tax reform. And, I, you know, hopefully, even though, uh, you know, I think it'll be good for business for um, rates to go down, it would still be nice to have um, lower capital gains taxes to, you know, keep making sure that we have, you know, good, good investment. Um, you know, so those are, those are the things we're, we're focused on the most. Um, and, you know, we're just, you know, here to help think through um, those kinds of issues and really helping um, everyone um, understand the importance of uh, startups in job creation and innovation in our country. As if you look at um, Mr. Trump has focused a lot on, you know, making sure that we don't take jobs from the U.S. and take them to, say, Mexico, like the carrier situation. Um, but we want to make sure that um, he and others understand that um, new companies are responsible for all of the net new jobs in our country. So we want to make sure um, that they have a good environment to keep growing. 
And, um, you know, I think there's some mixed messages um, that have been out there, um, you know, some communications between um, Trump and his team and let's say Silicon Valley. Um, and, you know, maybe we just need to help understand that entrepreneurs and angels are, you know, throughout the country, they're Main Street and they're creating great jobs, just, a, you know, a few at a time. Right, right. Well, let's talk about the, um, I mean, one of the things that did come out of the Jobs Act, and it preceded the Jobs Act. I mean, AngelList preceded the Jobs Act, and it was mm -hmm. an online platform. And uh, But the Jobs Act opened up uh, online platforms in some way that they weren't open before. Uh, how, how, how much activity are you, uh, in your, amongst your members are you seeing? Are you seeing a, a more and more of your members use online platforms to find deals? Or how are they still finding deals the old-fashioned way? I think we're, we've definitely seen a movement among our members. And again, I guess the majority of our members are angel groups. And, you know, I think initially, you know, most people were not interested in working with platforms, but more and more, um, we're seeing people like me. So, you know, I belong to a couple of angel groups, um, here in my town of Kansas, Kansas City, but I also belong to three or four platforms. I've even funded one of them. It's called Podia, which is, or I'm sorry, it's called, uh, anyway, it, it helps women invest in women led com companies. And I like it because um, I like the idea of diversifying my portfolio. And even though I want to invest mostly in, in, my, in companies in my community, that's just my personal strategy. Um, I like the idea of being able to see new and interesting ideas on these platforms. And maybe I can invest a smaller amount, but it helps me diversify my portfolio, which helps me with my risk. We're also starting to see some angel groups, um, you know, put deals and syndicate their deals on, on some of these platforms. It's just happening more and more. And there's just different options and different business models that fit different angels' interests. Right. So is, tell me, I hadn't heard about Podia. So that's, a, yep. that's an online funding platform for women-owned businesses? Yeah, I... I um, I, I used the wrong name. So while we're talking, I'll, I'll come up with the correct name. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> oh, that's okay. That's okay. But that's interesting. I hadn't heard of, I hadn't heard of that one. I've been studying these uh, platforms because there's so many different business models. Um, is, that, is that a 506C platform or a 506B platform or is it both? Yeah, I think both. And I, I think a lot of the platforms are, are a combination. And, you know, my understanding is still most angel investors are looking to um, to invest in private deals, 506B deals. And so um, when platforms can do, um, you know, both things, then, you know, they, they basically are doing their deals behind a protected, a password protected arena. Right. So, Mike, um, we're probably talking jargon now. Uh, do you, yeah, I think we probably do you, are. Do you, do you uh, Mike? No, do you I, know th I think that stuff's really interesting. I mean, the regulatory framework is something that's a little bit outside of my uh, area, but um, but it's nice to to kind of hear how how you know changes in the law and changes in the administration might affect you know startups and the ability to raise money. Okay. I guess um, from a from a more general standpoint, I think a lot of our listeners are are folks working in startups. Um, you have lots of experience with angel investing. You know, do you have any advice for people that are doing startups in terms of how they can how they can access some of the the angel money that might exist and and how to how to get plugged into that community? 
Sure. So um, that's a great question. You know, I think, you know, even with all the platforms and the angel groups and all that that are out there in many, many communities, it still really is about, um, you know, networking within the your entrepreneurial ecosystem in your town and, and maybe even, you know, working through accelerators that might be somewhere else to, you know, get the best advice um, from from entrepreneurs and investors in in you know putting your company together and figuring out um, you know if angel capital is right for you and then if it is you know getting their help on your business plan your pitch um, your your strategies all those kinds of things because in the end. Um, the angels who are most likely to invest in you probably got introduced to you by somebody they already know and trust. And that's, you know, that's an old story, but I think it continues. Um, but I think it's also important to, you know, learn as much as you can from other entrepreneurs, um, you know, go to as many uh, events um, and meetups or, you know, whatever you can, because you keep building new ideas, a diversity of ideas. Um, and, you know, that might be the place where you meet that that right angel because it's still true that the majority of angel investing in this country is done by individual angels who invest on their own or through you know in, informal friendships or whatever so most when's, of the, most oh go ahead mike i was going to say when when is the right time for folks to start thinking about uh uh, you know, raising money. I mean, there's obviously a different threshold in terms of when a company's ready to receive kind of a first angel investment versus going to to a larger round of financing. Um, and so, I think it, I think a lot of people that are in new to the startup space have questions about you know when is obviously the answer we always hear is you should be thinking about this stuff really early and trying to make those connections early. But but sir, what are some milestones or benchmarks that people can look at in terms of when their company might be ready to to approach investors and, and, and come to it in a way that, that looks attractive to investors. Like what are the, what are your investors that, you know, you know, looking for in terms of, of uh, the maturity of a company before they can, before they feel like they want to invest? I'd love to give you one answer, but I think if you talk with, with angels, you know, each has a, many have different ideas about the right timing. There are, there are a whole set of angels who are truly looking to look at, at startups, you know, as they're, as they're really getting started, you know, really helping that company build that business, um, and, you know, be there before, um, you know, they've started selling anything. You've got another set of angels who want to make sure you, you know, you've got, You've got customers. Um, maybe you're not, um, you know, you're not, uh, you don't have very many revenues, but you've got customers. You understand what your business model is going to be. Um, and you need something like a hundred thousand to a million dollars from angel investors to take you to the next next phase where you could maybe the next phase might be you figure out how to scale your your product and there's a whole nother set of um, angel investors who um, really want a lot of traction and and want to see you know uh, considerable revenues so it's it's really a whole range I know that's a hard answer to make and that's a that's a reason to to start early in your community and ask all kinds of questions and meet all kinds of people um, till you find um, somebody that you know is a fit with you and you're uh, you know you either are like-minded or you can see that they can help you not only with your money but they can help you think through you know how you're going to become successful how you're going to get to um, you know the next um, 
decisions and next phase of your business. So what's so Marianne? So what's the sort of um, typical when you're in your experience? And you've been doing and you've been doing this for quite some time. And by the way, how long have you how long have you been involved with the ACA? And like when did you get involved? Oh, um, so I was actually at something called the Kaufman Foundation, which is the world's largest foundation focused on entrepreneurship. And um, I think it was in um, 2001, and I took a call from an angel, which I didn't even know what that was yet. Um, but they were looking for ways for more angels to get together and learn from each other. And so I started um, working with them as a program of the Kauffman Foundation on um, educating angels and just having a series of conversations to learn from each other. And eventually that turned into the Angel Capital Association, and um, we spun it out of the foundation in 2007. And I've been involved through that whole process. As wow, an angel, I've just been investing for about five years. But yeah. Okay. That's a great, that's a great story. So, um, so tell us like in your experience, like what's the sort of average size of an angel round? So if there are companies out there thinking about raising angel money, I know there's a lot of variability here, but like what, what's your typical round size? Sure. Yeah. So I do think it, you know, that that sweet spot is um, 100,000 to a million. And that involves multiple angels, right? But um, uh, if you look at it, there's kind of two estimates. Um, there's one um, that looks at, you know, angels, however they invest. So, you know, usually on their on their own or informally. And I think the average size of that for the last couple of years is like 350,000. Um, that's from the Center for Venture Research. And then there's another um, study of um, angel group investments um, that's put that's called the Halo Report. And um, for, you know, kind of five years in a row, they saw the, the median size investment that the company receives is half a million dollars, um, except for in 2015, that went up to eight hundred and fifty thousand dollars. I'm thinking it's going to be coming back down so that it'll be, you know, sort of the getaway from the unicorn effect, if that makes sense. Wow. So we saw a big spike, a big spike in yeah. the size of rounds suddenly. Yeah. And, and also the pre-money valuations. Yeah. So I, I think there was a, a year or so of, um, you know, pay, paying a lot for companies. And um, I'm, I'm thinking that that's in the process of reversing itself um, in the angel community and the venture capital community. I gotcha. I gotcha. So, um, so yeah, I mean that's really interesting. So do you think there is a little bit of a bubble going on in the in this space right now? Yeah, I mean, I do, and so but I, but I think um, you know it, it wasn't as bad as as some earlier bubbles in um, in equity investment. But I think there there's you know more and more of a focus on um, getting. Um, investments back to um, you know reasonable amounts and for reasonable valuations. It, it might take a while I, to get there. Sure. And was that? Do you think that spike was probably attributable to like just certain geogra ge geographies? I mean, Southern California, for example, or North, Northern California. <laughs> sorry, the Bay Area. The well, Bay Area. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I do think Silicon Valley has a lot to do with it. But when I saw, I've done a couple of surveys of our members and stuff, and I've seen it be um, 
a little bit wider ge- geography than that than than I thought, and you know I've got theories on that. Um, you know I think um, you know there's there are plenty of entrepreneurs who have you know participated in um, accelerators you know in Silicon Valley and elsewhere um, you know or who have just gone to Silicon Valley to find investment or to learn, and they've come back to their communities. Um, asking, you know, for those higher valuations. And, um, you know, I, I think that just like real estate, you know, pricing depends on geography. And sometimes the, the angels or VCs or whoever have gone, have gone ahead and invested in these companies anyway, even though the price was different than um, in, the, in their geographies. In, in the other pieces, you know, now you can get on, um, you know, Crunchbase and you know other databases that are out there and see see valuations and investment sizes. Um, a lot of which are in Silicon Valley, and um, you know, trying to bring them back to your your city or whatever. So um, I, I do think that increased the geography. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. So in that instance, I mean, sort of the proliferation of online platforms is probably helping to sort of even out valuations across geographies, maybe in some in some way. Maybe. Yeah. Well, so talk to us about the tax, the tax issues. So you mentioned tax issues and trying to generally improve the tax results for angels. Of course, right now, you know, we have qualified small business stock, which gives you a great benefit if you meet the, meet the holding period. Um, and Mike, if you don't know what we're talking about, and this is the tax break that basically allows you to exclude up to $10 million in gain entirely from federal income tax. If you invest in a in qualified small business stock, which is generally stock in a business which isn't like a – it can't be a service-related business and it has to have less than $50 million in gross assets when you invest. So software companies qualify – um, and this, so if you make an investment in an early stage software company, and you hold the stock for five years, when you sell it, up to ten million dollars of the gain can be completely tax free, um, including um, the alternative minimum tax. So that's a big deal, and that became, I think, to some of our surprise last year, um, permanent. It, it had been gone. It had gone through sort of a successive cycle of like one and a half year extensions, um, but they. We had this weird sort of what was the what was the phrase they used the the like temporary permanence or something Marianne what was that phrase they used Yeah I think it was just yeah that's exactly what it was and I think it was just um, it was a tactic that some you know Congress used to to get things passed um, I you know I don't know you know where that's going to go I mean I think that um, tax reform is very much on the mind of our president elect. And many congressmen, as, as ACA has, you know, walked the halls. And so I think there's going to be an effort to simplify and reduce our overall corporate and, you know, individual income taxes. And, um, you know, what what comes with that, though, then is less um, exemptions and things like that. So, you know, obviously, I'd love to see, um, you know, this 100 percent exemption uh, continue. But, I, you know, and, and that's what we'll talk about, because I think it's had um, it's really helped increase some investment out there. Um but uh, you know we'll we'll have to see how that how that picture comes together. The other thing is just thinking about you know I'll call them regular um, capital gains taxes. You know, I, many longtime angels tell me that I think it was in the nineteen. 
eighties or nineties that the ordinary or that capital gains was put at fifteen percent, and that had some of the biggest impact they had seen increase increasing the number of angel investors and the and, and the number of investments. And so, you know, we hope that um, you know, as as Congress and the president looks at uh, tax reform, that they still put in there that there will be, um, you know, uh, that capital gains taxes will be lower than regular income taxes because it does seem to have an impact on investment. Yeah, it's. I'd heard, I heard an, one of my angel friends, um, he just, he, uh, when he sort of like retired from angel investing, he, he described it to me as, uh, he said, well, my, my wife and I are don't, we don't really, we're not, we don't really want to pick green bananas anymore. I mean, we we picked a lot of them yeah. when we were younger, <laughs> but uh, but now you know we're not really in the mood so much for that anymore. And that, and that I mean, these are long term. I mean, your typical holding period on a on an investment in a private company is ten years or something. I don't know, a long time, right? You can't sell this stock, so you got to sit there and wait and wait and wait and pray that you get an exit. And that, that seems like the perfect place where, like, as far as tax policy goes, to give somebody a break on their tax rate because they're having to – effectively, you're recognizing that it's a super long-term investment and inflation, as a, as a matter of fact. Maybe maybe our best rationale for capital gains taxes as a whole is just it's an inflation adjustment. Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that the arguments are, yeah, it's a long holding period. It's very risky because remember, you know, more than half of angel investments lose all of their money. Um, and it's important to our economy. It is creating innovation and jobs. So um, I think those are three good arguments. Yeah. Well, so, uh, Mike, do you, have any, do you have any other further thoughts or questions for Marianne? No, this has been an illuminating conversation. I've been kind of on the quiet side, but that's just because uh, I have lots to learn on this on this topic. So, yeah, glad to hear you guys run with it. So, Marianne, and, uh, thanks uh, thanks for being on the show. For sure. So, Marianne, if people want to get a hold of of just the Angel Capital Association, it's just angelcapitalassociation.org um, on the web. Yeah. Yep. And yeah. Uh, there's all sorts of programs. If you're if you're a founder of a company, um, you can access the the sort of Various uh, webinars and things that you guys do, um, or do you, I mean, how does it work if you're of a company? If you're a company founder, yeah. If you're a company founder, um, you know, you can get on our website. You know, we don't get involved in like matching with investors, but we do list um, you know the platforms and angel groups that are our members on our website. So it's just angelcapitalassociation.org/directory, or you we actually have on our homepage there's a blue button that says find angels, <laughs> so you can do that. And we have a ton of content if you're a founder um, to get in you know in a in an angel's head you know to understand how they make decisions and you know um, what's important to them um, as you're putting your your company together. And there's there's some information too about just how angel investing works and how to figure out whether um, you know angel capital is right for you as a founder. Um, we also have uh, a regular monthly newsletter that we have for for anyone. So you know founders, um, you know incubators, policymakers, whatever. Um, so feel free to sign up for our newsletter and you'll get that um, the last week of every month. All right, great. Well, thanks again, Marianne, for, for being on the show. And uh, if you're curious about the Angel Capital Association, go to angelcapitalassociation.org, and there's a great list of uh, of angel groups on that site, as well as the uh, the platforms. Um, or all there's a bunch of platforms listed here too. So that's really helpful. Thank thank you, Marianne, so much for being with us. 
Thanks to both of you.